Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day, and you say, "Uh uh-oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Well, here's the solution. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You're going to have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Flexible for your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive then take out, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash smirconish50 and use code smirconish50 because you'll get 50% off. That's code smirconish50 at factormeals.com slash smirconish50. Get your 50% off. Hi, it's Michael Smirkanish. Welcome to Book Club with Michael Smirkanish, a collection of Michael's favorite interviews with authors from the last 30 years through today, on the air, on radio. What sets my book club apart is that I actually read the books. Book Club is now in session. So as the kids would say, Jake Tapper has a pretty good side hustle running. He is a best-selling novelist, I'm sure... The new novel, continuing with a series, by the way, All the Demons Are Here, will be a bestseller, as were The Hellfire Club and The Devil May Dance. I'm getting a particular kick out of this because of the time period in which it's set. 1977. 1977 was the year that I I graduated. We would not have called it that then, but I was a ninth grader at the uh, Holly Kong Junior High School in 1977, on my way to high school. Uh, in that era, he is focused again on the Martyr family. Ike and Lucy Martyr are the children of the now, now he's in the, he's in the Senate, I note, Republican Senator Charlie Martyr and his well-known zoologist wife, Margaret Martyr. I'm not going to give it all away for free, but when the story unfolds, Ike has gone AWOL from the Marines, He's following a disastrous military cover-up in Lebanon. He is now hiding out in Montana, ready for this, with Evil Knievel. And Alex, who is our esteemed intern from Duke, no less, 
asked me initially whether Evil Knievel was a made-up character. I'm like, oh, no, let me tell you about Evil Knievel. I, I, re- I remember having an Evil Knievel toy in the 1970s. You would wind it up, and it would go over a ramp. Without any further ado, this is Jake Tapper. Hey, Jake, congratulations on the new book. Thank you. I love the fact that he thought Evil Knievel was a made-up character. She, yeah, all, she did. Thank, yeah, th- Alex see, did. Thank you for the compliment, by the way, that I could invent somebody that wild and, and unpredictable. You know, it's it's funny to read this because I came of age, I guess, in the 70s, but I politics. I knew I knew that the president had resigned. I was focused on other things. So you've made me go back and think about the 1970s and what really transpired politically in the 1970s. Yeah, you know, it was a really wild time. I mean, this is the first era. The first book takes place in 1954, the second one in 1962. This is the first book I I was alive for. Uh, I was eight in 1977. I'm just a few years behind you. And I was not aware of most of this stuff. But I went back and at the advice of some older friends who said, who people were in their 20s in the 70s and said, this was a crazy era. It does not get its due. And they were right. Uh, I was aware of a few of the things. I was aware of Elvis dying and I was aware of disco and, of course, of Evil Knievel. But I was not... I had no idea how crazy the 70s were. I mean, when you think about it, and just in 1977, the real-life events that I write about, uh, UFO sightings all over the place, including, by the way, by by former President Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter, uh, right. Cults, j- cults rising uh, I- throughout the United States. A total disillusioned public who is coming to terms with the fact that the government lied to them about Vietnam, and obviously about Watergate as well. You have Disco, Studio 54 opens. You have the New York City blackout and the riots after that. You have the Son of Sam murders up in New York and the rise of tabloid journalists uh, and journalism like the New York Post and the New York Daily News in 1977. It's really when Rupert Murdoch first comes to serious prominence uh, in the United States. And then, of course, the death of Elvis Presley. That I remember. But it was such a fun era to write about, and I'm finding the people who either vaguely remember it or firmly remember it or had no memory of it, like your intern, uh, enjoying it. And uh, it, it's, it's, it was really a blast to write about. The, I, the Snake River Canyon comes to mind. The Snake River Canyon, right? So that's 1974, a few years before this book takes place, and that is when Evil Knievel, and in one of the first pay-per-view events ever, uh, tries to jump over the Snake River Canyon. Uh, it's not in a motorcycle. It's in this, like, wily Coyote <laughs> rocket ship type device. Yep. Yep. And it lands him on the cover of Sports Illustrated. It lands him on the cover of Rolling Stone. Evil Knievel, this huge celebrity, um, not a particularly gifted motorcycle rider, uh, but w- more willing to be outrageous and, and brave and stupid uh, and break bones more than any other uh, a motorcycle stuntman, and, it, and he becomes this huge national figure. Had you set out to write a, a 1970s book? Like, was this intended to be a trilogy and then more, or did it happen by happenstance? Like, the Hellfire Club, Devil May Dance, 50s, 60s, was it always the plan that you would then go to the 70s? No. No, hmm. not at all. Why not? I wrote the first because I wrote the first book, and I was like, I hope people like it. I mean, I didn't right. have a deal to write a second or a third. It was people liked it. It became a bestseller. And then, when doing the um, the book tour for the Hellfire Club, I heard this crazy true story 
about Sinatra wanting JFK to stay at his Rancho Mirage estate because he'd helped him get, a, get, get him elected, and then Bobby Kennedy squashing it because of Sinatra's mob ties, and Sinatra, who had built up his Rancho Mirage resort uh, or, or compound with a helipad and places for the press to stay and such, going crazy and, and smashing the helipad with a sledgehammer and the like, that's a real story. And I'd never heard that story. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's the next book. So the next book was about that and, and the, the early 60s and the Rat Pack. And then it just became, well, I've done the 50s and the 60s. I guess I need to do the 70s. But I'm going to bring in Charlie and Margaret's kids now because they'll be in their 20s. And you can, you can have more fun with young, naive characters than with old, wise characters because old, wise characters – they're not going to make the same mistakes and do the same stupid things that, that people tend to do in their 20s. So what did you then do once you've decided this book is going to be set in the 70s to reacquaint yourself with the things that were taking place when you were too young to pay attention? What's what's the timeline source that you say, oh, let me see, I'll read uh, Jimmy Breslin and find out about the Sum of Sam? So it started, actually, I was um, at a fishing lodge two years ago. And the, the guy, the owner of the fishing lodge, Jimmy Kimmel, uh, loves <laughs> Evil Knievel. And he's decorated the, the lodge with, you know, he has, there's an Evil Knievel pinball machine or Evil Knievel posters. And I'm like, what is the deal? <laughs> Why do you, because <laughs> I didn't, his charm eluded me at age eight. Um, right. Uh, it, it, I didn't, I didn't get it. But Kimmel loved it. And he said, and you got to see this documentary. So he pointed me to this documentary that Johnny Knoxville produced called Being Evil. And it was fascinating, and I was like, this is a really interesting character. He hasn't really been given his due uh, in fiction. He, you know, people from the era remember him, but vaguely. And he'd be a lot of fun to play with because he is this larger-than-life character. There's something Trumpian about him in the sense of his ability to, um, his skills at salesmanship and showmanship, not in a pejorative way, but just his ability, you know, to, to like in a P.T. Barnum kind of way. Uh, to get a lot of attention. Uh, and and also, he's a horrible person, Evil Knievel. So he's a great antagonist for my character. So that that became that plot line with Ike, uh, the AWOL Marine, with him. And then at the same time, I talked to Kara Swisher, and she was talking about how Rupert Murdoch is a character that I should use uh, for my next book. She wasn't She didn't know I was going to do 70s, but she just thought, like, he's a great... And this is, of course, you know, a succession was on TV, and that's a Rupert Murdoch-esque character. But this is that's that's uh, Brian Cox in Succession is Rupert Murdoch kind of at the end of his career. In the 70s would be at the beginning of his successful career in the United States. And so that's where Lucy's uh, storyline comes in. She starts working for a Murdoch-esque character. Uh, Looking for a serial killer. Yeah, and then there's a serial killer. There's one, a real one in New York City, the son of Sam. They want one in D.C. Right, and right. then that started that storyline. And then you just dive into the year, and you're like, oh, my God, this is the year of the Nixon Frost interviews. This is Jimmy Carter's first year. This is Elvis dies this year. This happened. That happened. Uh, Studio 54 opens. The New York City blackout happens. And you're, I was just like, this is just a, a rich tapestry for me to drive my motorcycle through. This is the Book Club with Michael Smirconish podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4 
Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day, and you say, "Uh uh-oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Well, here's the solution. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You're going to have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Flexible for your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive then take out, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash smirconish50 and use code smirconish50 because you'll get 50% off. That's code smirconish50 at factormeals.com slash smirconish50. Get your 50% off. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. Jake, you were in one Philly burb. I was in another Philly burb doing awfully stupid things inspired by Evil Knievel. I I had a buddy. (laughs) He is still a very close friend of mine. He had a, I think it was a 90cc Yamaha, if that means anything to anybody. And his parents got for him, Mike Stockle is his name, we're still close. They got for him an Evil Knievel outfit, not knowing that he would then get on this motorcycle, build a jump and, and try and, I forget what exactly, maybe bicycles? He was trying to, how many bicycles could he jump over? But like in the oh neighborhood, it was all the rage to, to engage in that foolishness. So... I got a real kick out of uh, out of that. Why why does Jake Tapper do this? You're very good at it. You don't need Thank to you. do it. Why do you do it? It's fun. It's yeah. fun. It's just so much fun for me. And like I like you, love history. Um, and Michael, I know enough about you and and your shows to know that you have a lot of historical knowledge. And that's a lot of it's preparation for shows, but a lot of it's also just you know it because like you probably spend your weekends reading books 
and reading articles and doing deep dives just because you're curious about something you saw on TV or something somebody reminded you of. And that's me, too. And I love learning about this, this historical stuff. Evil Knievel was a fascinating character for me to learn about because I didn't really know that much about him other than my friends uh, had, you know, the Evil Knievel action figure and the toy motorcycle. Um, I didn't know much about him. And then Kimmel got me and Knoxville got me interested in his story. And it's just this wild story. You know, he started off a, a thief in Butte, Montana, and then somehow he got involved in, in stunt riding Hitchhiked across the United States, right, to protest? Well, that's a different – see, this – one of the fun things about these books is at the end of the book, I put in an acknowledgment and and sources where I I can give credit to people and also to explain what's real and what's not. And it's before he became Evil Knievel because he was a poacher in uh, the Yellowstone area. He hitchhiked across the United States to – in 1961 or 62 – to try to convince the Kennedy administration and the interior secretary Udall to change the laws so that instead of the, you know, the, the federal government killing all these excess elk, they would move them to different parts of the country so hunters could kill them. And when I learned that story, I couldn't even believe it. This guy was petitioning the government at age like 20. So he had something interesting about him. Sure. A lot of people don't even know that story. He had something interesting about him and, and the force of his personality that was uh, really, really unique uh, for its time. Jake, what do you see, if anything, today that you trace culturally, politically to the, the, the time period that you're focused on in All the Demons Are Here? So much. I mean, it's so resonant. As you, you and I have both talked about this in the past, how it's said, and I don't know who said it, but history doesn't repeat itself. It rhymes. Um, but there's a lot of rhyming. First of all, the mistrust of government that people felt in the late 70s, not unfairly uh, because of Watergate, because of the Vietnam War and the lies that had been told. Uh, the, there were a bunch of veterans who had been poisoned, uh, just like we have today with uh, the U.S. Uh, veterans and those burn pits and the burn pit legislation that John Stewart had to rally for. So back then in the 70s, it was Agent Orange, but uh, the U.S. government was still not acknowledging it. There was this, there's this interesting uh, fake cancer cure called Laetril, uh, where people thought that Laetril was going to be the thing that's, that's cured cancer. And it wasn't. It was fake. But a lot of people were out there saying, petitioning the government, we need to allow people to take Laetril and the Carter administration and the CDC were saying this doesn't work. This doesn't work. That's resonant to today uh, when people talking about COVID cures and the like. Obviously, there's something Trumpian in a way, and again, not in a negative way, <clears throat> about Evil Knievel and his ability to get news attention, his ability to capture the imagination of Americans. And then, of course, you know, Rupert Murdoch, who really came to prominence in 1977, continues to be one of the most influential individuals on the American media and political landscape. Uh, for better or for worse. A lot of people, of course, would say for worse. But that kind of uh, tabloid journalism, what some people might call clickbait today, uh, really got its start uh, in terms of becoming successful in that era. So a lot of it rhymes today. A lot of it is very resonant. So what next? Ike and Lucy in the 80s? Seems the natural. It could be. Uh, I'm working on another book right now that takes place in 1984, and it starts on a cruise for the 40th anniversary 
of the D-Day invasion hmm. uh, because Charlie Martyr is a, you know, he's a World War II hero. And on this cruise, uh, it's a bunch of World War II heroes, a bunch of generals. It's a luxury trip in honor of D-Day. Ronald Reagan's going to D-Day for his famous D-Day speech in 1984. And on the first night of the cruise, one of the key heroes that's there to be honored disappears. So that's wow. that's the next. So it's it's about the 80s and and but it's also about the it's also about World War II and it's about how we think about America and uh, our role in the world. So that's that's the next book. But people need to buy this one in order for me to write to, for, for the and, publisher to to want me to write the and, next. And book. will and will you work in Peggy Noonan and the boys of Puen Du Hoc? Well, that's the speech, right? That's the beautiful yeah. speech. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wonder should I have Peggy Noonan as a character? On, on oh. the on the cruise. Oh that's, yeah, that's she's she's back with all the veterans that she wrote about, of course. Uh, and and, and by the way, there were, right there, now there were, I have uh, Al Haig on it, but uh, in, on that cruise. But Peggy might be hey, a good person to put there hey, too. I I get the scene where he goes to the captain on your cruise and says, "I'm in charge. I'm in charge." <laughs> <laughs> uh, Well, congratulations on all the demons are here. Jake Tapper, a new bestseller. It's a thriller. It's great. Always a privilege to have you on the program as well, Jake. So thank you for that. Thank you, Michael. Keep up the great work on uh, on the radio and also, of course, on CNN. We're We're so lucky to have you there. Nice of you to say. Jake Tapper, the book is called All the Demons Are Here. Thank you, Jake. Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the Sirius XM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Book Club with Michael Smirconish. New episodes drop Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.